Welcome to F the Hustle. I'm your host, Kim Doyle. You want a life that is meaningful and exciting. In this podcast, we're going to talk about launching and growing an online business that fits your lifestyle. F the Hustle is all about doing good work, building real relationships, and most importantly, creating a business that supports how you want to live your life. You don't have to sacrifice the quality of your life today to create something that sets your soul on fire. And yes, that includes making a lot of money. So we'll be talking about selling, charging what you're worth, and how earning more means helping more people. My goal is to help you find freedom and create a business on your terms. Hey, hey, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of F Hustle with Kim Doyle. Yep, I'm Kim Doyle. <laughs> I still can't think of another another way to welcome you and introduce myself at the same time. It doesn't quite work. That's all right. I am all kinds of excited today. This is episode 101. And again, I did the math on 100. It technically would be like 278 or something. But hey, who's counting? All right. So today's episode is inspired again uh, by a great call with my therapist. We're we're going to talk about self doubt. So the episode is shutting the door on self doubt: a framework for growth. And this is one of those episodes that I highly recommend you go to the actual post um, on my site because I've got three doodles and I'll explain them all to you for those of you who are just listening. Um, and there's a couple exercises. One doodle has very specific exercise. That is the framework for growth. But I'm also sharing um, a couple tactical things that I've done in my business lately in terms of I did a whole naming thing. And I, I'm, I'm going to be really secretive and pull a, a Kim on you today. And it's my secret project that I was working on the name for, which I'll be sharing in the next month or so. But anyway, so just know that there's some real tactical stuff. And again, if you can hear the dog at all. Apologies. I am standing in a room full of windows on the third floor, and she thinks she needs to growl at everybody. So let's jump into it. Again, super excited to be doing this today. It has been a challenging few weeks with everything going on with my back. And in case you missed that, I've got a link in the episode to last week's post. Long story short, I have a herniated disc. I will be having surgery literally in like two and a half weeks. It's a little bit crazy. But the good news. I will be walking out of there the next day. So I did my border run to Nicaragua last week, which went really smoothly, but holy moly, was I exhausted afterward. And again, apologies for the dog. Um, I could like, you know, be a little bit more strict with her and put her in a room where you can't hear that. But I've just become one of those nutty dog, those like my furry babies. I don't know. Anyways, I don't call them that, but I've gotten a little bit nutty. Moving on. So again, I did my border run to Nicaragua, which because I don't have residency here, I have to do this every 90 days. Fortunately, I was smart and I planned to take care of myself the day after. I had no calls and I really allowed myself just to go with the flow, which pretty much meant working at my desk as long as possible. And then I moved to my bed, which I kind of do in the afternoon right now because having my leg extended in front of me tends to help. So Anyways, but I, I promised myself I could do that regardless of the time of the day. So usually it's much later in the afternoon. And I was like, I'm going to go with it. Especially because whew, I was in a foul mood <laughs> by the time I got home. And multiple reasons, but I just, I was fried. Um, I, I'm 
walking with a limp right now and it just like everything feels like a lot of effort. So I'm not going to go into the details of the border run, but I do park in Costa Rica and I walk in and out. So it was pretty, pretty wiped. Um, but I'd brought a cooler with ice packs for the journey, which made all the difference in the world. And now I'm set for another 90 days, which <laughs> the bummer about that is that my 90 days will bring me to early December. So I'll do one more border run and then I leave for California like two weeks later for Christmas. But you know, it is what it is. Thankfully, I am a little bit of a nut when it comes to listening to audio. I love my audiobooks and podcasts. So I just make sure that I've got plenty to listen to, which has never been a problem. Um, so after the holidays, I will probably, uh, probably my plan is to apply for the digital nomad visa. Costa Rica, uh, um, I think they, it was like it, it passed last year, but it's gone into effect this year. So which will allow me to stay in the country for a year without border runs, open a bank account here, bye-bye international fees, uh, get a driver's license, and then be part of the national healthcare system, which is called CAHA. And yeah, I'll pay into that. Um, but it's nothing compared to insurance in the States. So that'll kind of be a bonus. Um, so now that all of that is out of the way, I feel like I can focus again. Um, like I said, I've got, you know, about two and a half weeks till my back surgery and uh, I've got a nothing major to do for that other than some blood tests that I'll go get done probably next week. Um, my daughter's coming down September 30th to take care of me, which is lovely week after. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of game on right now. And, you know, the nice thing about this right now is that I'm sort of looking at the time between now and surgery as a little bit of a sprint. I will definitely be taking the week off after. Of course, I'll probably do some work, which is the beauty of a laptop, right? Be able to hang out in bed. Um, and you know, the cool thing about this surgery is like, as far as I understood from everything I've read or people I've talked to, you know, way back in the day, the belief was bed rest and, you know, you can't do anything. And my neighbor, um, who is a nurse that worked for a neurosurgeon, saw the surgery tons of times, you know, said, you know, six to eight weeks for the healing. Um, I'm going to be very diligent about what I'm supposed to do in terms of lifting, not lifting, bending, all that stuff. But the fact is, it's good for you to walk. So that's going to be really great. And after walking with this limp for a while, I am really going to look forward. I'm really going to look forward to. Okay, let's try that again. I'm looking forward to being able to walk. So, all right. So now that you're all caught up in the Kim's healthcare, um, let's let's jump into shutting the door on self-doubt. And this, you guys, there's something that I'm just, I'm having so much fun with the doodles again. And I had shared that I signed up for a, what'd you call it? Well, it's a cohort. It was a course called pencil pirates and it's all about using what she calls. Um, it's Laura, Laura Evans Hill, I believe. I'm so sorry if I'm botching that. Um, she's brilliant and it's about using visuals to, um, get your message across and, and, you know, it's not about having to be an artist. She said, we're, we're making meaning. We're not making art, which I love that. But that literally started, I want to say, a few days before the whole back thing. So um, she's been really lovely. And I will be signing up for the next cohort of that because I love the doodling. I'm just, this is all me. And I had, um, I've got Procreate, but I haven't had the time really 
to dig in and learn Procreate. So I'm still using the software tool SketchWow, which is a lifetime purchase, guys. So if you're looking at this, just go to SketchWow.com. And oh my gosh, they've got great templates. Anyway, so the the first doodle that I did, because I saw this instantly when I was talking to Susan, my therapist. And so the doodle, there's a door and it says self-doubt. And then I have a person walking away, but I added a lock to the door with an exclamation, like it's locked, it's shut. And the person is walking the other way and they've got the key. And so that was really fun. And it, it's it's so representative of moving forward. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I keep jokingly saying I'm going to have to pay Susan royalties at some point because... <laughs> It was it was really a funny session in that having a conversation with her, we're we're talking and and it's you know we're talking through stuff and my brain is instantly going to oh my god that's a great post title I can expand on that anyway, but we were talking about a new project I'm working on. This is the one where I went into all the naming stuff and I'm going to get deeper into that right now. Um, and so I was sharing the challenges with naming it. And if you've ever been stuck on naming something, you know what I mean. And if you haven't been stuck, please share your secrets with me because, man, it's a process. And for me, it, it really is one of those things that when it hits, it hits and you, you just know it. So I had picked a name, or so I thought, for this new project. And two of my dear friends in this space, whom I completely trust, just asked me, if, do you think the name is right? And it was, it was like, huh, the whole thing came about because I had hired a couple of people to have logos made. Now, this is a this is all off script, which is <laughs> half the podcast practically. But you know, it's very easy to get caught up in the externals of the logo and the visuals and the colors and all of that stuff. Um, but this is something that I know very well, and so I'm very clear. I'm doing the the audience work, and we're going to talk a little bit about a little bit about that in the framework for growth. But, you know, my point is that don't get so stuck in the logos that you don't get to the deeper work, which is what's really going to serve you when it comes to marketing, whatever it is you want to market. And the thing is with the logos, um, nothing felt right. I kept getting them back and it was like, no, no. And, And I just, I couldn't see what I wanted. And not that I always can, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it's having worked with a bunch of designers, I'm usually able to clearly express what I want. I was an art major. I love doing all this stuff. And it just, anyways, it wasn't sticking. So instead of trying to figure out, figure it out with the existing name, my friends just said, can you use a different name? And it was just like, holy light bulb moment. And I did solve the name came up with it. And I'm super giddy because it really, it opens up for a lot. And I will be sharing that within the next month, I promise. Um, But what I did is I returned to a book I had read years ago when I had wanted to name something else. And the book is called Hello, My Name is Awesome by Alexandra Watkins. And she's revised it. So if you have it, it's worth getting again. And (laughs) what I would do if I were you, excuse me, is go to her website and She's got a bunch of great before and after name makeovers uh, that her company has done. And her website is Eat My Words. And I love the tagline on her site. And I'm sorry for those of you who read my emails because I shared a little bit of this there too. 
Uh, but her tagline says, your brand name shouldn't look like someone got drunk and played Scrabble. And I guess technically it's not a brand name. It's, it's, the, it's the headline and the hero image. I highly recommend the book. It's pretty short. It's only about 128 pages. But she gives examples of companies she's worked with, brands needing help, and then very specific exercises for coming up with your name. And the fun thing is she names names, which I'm actually going to do too, because one of the exercises that she had us do, so I created a creative brief, <laughs> say that 10 times fast, and where list five brand names in your industry you collectively dislike and five that you like. And so I'm going to get into those in a minute, but I want to share with you her smile and scratch test. And this is totally hoping to inspire you to get the book for yourself and do the exercises. So here we go. This is the Smile and Scratch Test by Alexandra Watkins. Again, hello, my name is awesome is the book, eatmywords.com. I'm just trying to make sure I'm covering my bases with any copyright infringement here. All right, so there are five qualities of a super sticky name. So this is the smile test. The name is number one, it's suggestive. It evokes something about your brand. Number two, it's memorable. It makes an association with the familiar. So when you see it, like, does it make you think of something? God, I wish I could tell you guys the name, but I can't just yet. Um, imagery. It aids memory through evocative visuals. Number four is that it has legs. It lends itself to a theme for extended mileage, which this is where I started going nuts and got really excited. I, I just, oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, number five is that it's emotional and it moves people. And remember, emotional can be joy and happiness. It doesn't have to be, you know, bringing someone to tears or whatever. So it evokes motion, emotion. All right. So now let's look at the seven deal breakers. This is the scratch test. It's spelling challenged. It looks like a typo. Number two, it's a copycat. It resembles a competitor's name. And again, she gives great examples. I, I remember the competitor specifically. She was talking about Pinkberry, which is a yogurt brand, and other companies that came up with like red mango. So you see, like, you want to be really careful that it's not like, here's another example. How many times have you seen the Uber of now? Oh, the Uber of movies, which doesn't make any sense. I'm just not quick right now, but you get my point. So again, so that's number two is a copycat. Number three is that it's restrictive. It limits future growth. So something that if you're going to name it a thing, there, there's not a whole lot of places you can go with it, right? Is it a tool or is it a brand? Number four, it's annoying. It seems forced. Number five, it's tame. It feels flat. It's descriptive, but it's uninspired. Number six is curse of knowledge. It speaks only to insiders. Again, this is going to depend on your target market, I think for sure. Um, but I think the idea to be able to draw people in and, and to, it, to grow an audience and it even appeal to potential customers when you have that target defined, you know, knowledge, uh, excuse me, um, industry speak is going to be a, a quick turnoff for people who are on the fence or are new. And lastly, it's hard to pronounce. It confuses and distances customers. So I went through all of this and all the exercises in the book. You guys, it's a bit of a process because <laughs> it takes time and she'll start sending you down. I, I, they're good rabbit holes, but I mean, you come up with, you know, a handful of words and then you go into a thesaurus the thesaurus.com and you're going to start pulling up things and then you take some of those words out and then you drill deeper and it really is a process, but I'm super glad I did it. Before I go further, I want to share 
this exercise with you and what I came up with to, to do the five brand names that I like and dislike. And um, so <laughs> this is um, one of the examples that she gave was Hooters. It's not overly race and, and Hooters, H-O-O-T-E-R-S. You guys are not in the United States. It's a chain of restaurants and it's referring to women's breasts. So let's leave the misogyny out of this for a minute. Um, but her point is that it's not overtly racy. It's lighthearted. And there's a boatload of merchandise they do with it. And there's owls included, I believe, in the logo. I didn't pull it up. But um, Fat Burger is another brand she talked about. It's fun. It sounds juicy and appetizing. Hard Rock Cafe. It's a cool name. It's unexpected. Um, there's a coffee shop called It's a Grind Coffee. Coffee. It's a clever pun, right? Because it's a grind going to work, but it's a grind because we grind coffee beans. I don't need to explain this to you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> Another one is Life of Pie, which makes everyone smile. You know, it's about pie and it was a movie. And then we've got, you know, anyways, you get the point. So here are five names that I came up with that I liked. And technically they were supposed to be in my space, but I don't know how well they fall into the new brand space, but they're in this space. All right. So the first one is ClickFunnels. I think ClickFunnels, and maybe I'm not objective because I am literally counting down till 2.0 comes out, which I think I told you guys is a couple days after my surgery. And I was very happy that I would be chilling, resting, and I can watch this launch. But it, it's clear the click implies the internet. There's tons of plays off the word funnel, which he has done very masterfully. Um, and I love that even though they're a software company, they've come up with additional training products, awards that play off the name. So this kind of, on, on the other hand, it is, there's some scratch pieces to this too, but I think ClickFunnels is, is clear and it's kind of fun. And the other thing is, I don't know how objective I can be when I've known a name and seen it grow over seven years or whatever. Um, so this one, you guys probably have not heard of this, but it's a company called Me and My Big Ideas. And this started out as a sticker company. So when I had the scrapbook store, 1998, to 2000, I was a co-owner of a scrapbook store. These stickers came out and oh my Lord, people love them. They went nuts. And it's a mother daughter team. And the daughter, I think came up with it. Um, but it's crazy. So I hadn't, I hadn't looked them up in a long time. And but I do remember seeing them at Michael's once in the States. And for again, for those of you out of the States, Michael's is a craft store. It's like the Probably the, I, I'm thinking it's bigger. There's another one called Joanne's and there's Hobby Lobby, but I think it's, it's a pretty big chain. And so what was crazy is I was going in there probably for pens and um, I saw this whole display of life, the happy planner so, by me and my big ideas. And I was like, what? I was very excited because I love this company. Um, and I just thought the name was fun. So me and my big ideas. You have no ideas about stickers. I fully understand that. But it's a fun name and you think, who hasn't had a big idea? So there's a, there's enough of a hook in there. Um, and then their planner is a happy planner. So the company has a whole fun feel to it. And I like that they've grown and have a wide product offering. So again, I'm kind of wondering how objective I am with both of those names. But hey, that's right. These other three make more sense. Captivate.fm is my podcast host. Um, it's one word, but that's also the goal right? Of a, a podcast listener. You want to captivate your audience. So it's kind of fantastic. And then the fact that the extension is a .fm, 
we're, we're pretty sure we know it's not a radio station at this point in the game, right? But um, it's to captivate the listeners. I think it's a great name. The other one, the next one would be Canva. Play off the word Canvas, one word. So you know it has something to do with creating. And then Zencaster is who I'm using to record my podcast as we speak. Um, Zen implies easy, relaxed, chill. Caster's pretty clear that it's for podcasting. So I think it's a fun name. And it's it's got like an approachable feel to it. Like an approachable feel. I hate when I hear myself <laughs> sound like a seventh grader. Like, you know, anyway, it, that word's never going to leave my vocabulary. So you guys, I literally wrote this on the creative brief as I was getting into names that I don't like. Um, I wrote, holy, holy moly, so many of the companies in this space have boring ass names because they really, really do. I'm going to give you her examples. So one is, <laughs> I'm going to live up to what she's saying here. It's Obon Pain is what it's spelled. I know I'm not pronouncing it correctly. And her point, it's A-U-B-O-N-P-A-I-N. I'm not going to pretend I, I'm going to pronounce French here. Um, but it's impossibly painful for non-locals to pronounce. So I'm, I'm demonstrating this. <laughs> this is so funny. She's very direct. So if you like a little bit of sarcasm, you'll definitely appreciate the book. Um, Chick-fil-A, she said, moronic spelling. It's like you think filet, F-I-L-E-T, right? And she said it's just, <laughs> I love that she said it's a moronic spelling. I'm sorry. Beard Papas. It's a cream puff company. What does this have to do with cream puffs? Um, oh, here we go. Red mango, rip off of pink berry, color plus fruit. And then she said, there's another one called coffee bean and tea leaf. Too long, trim the leaf. It could just be coffee bean and tea. So, which is actually would fall under the scratch test for me. It's very tame. It's descriptive, but it's boring. All right. So here are the five names. And I'm sorry to call people out, but as this episode and I start sharing a little bit more about my framework and shutting the door on self-doubt. It is what it is. Showing up. And the goal is not to throw people under the bus. Listen to me pre-qualify. Jesus. All right, let's move on. Number one, Viper. What is it? It's a giveaway software contest. How on earth would you remotely know that? And I love Viper. I like the guys behind it. I think Jack Paxton is great. But how on earth would you know that Viper is giveaway software? You wouldn't. Number two, and here's a company actually have just played around with the free version and I'm really, I'm so close to signing up for it. The paid version for the newsletter. It's, I'm guessing it's Beehive, but it's spelled B-E-E-H-I-I-V. So it looks like Beehive. I hate the spelling and I do not see the connection to newsletters at all. The thing with Beehive, and I'll tell you probably with Viper, what was Viper's first product? I don't remember. Um, Apologies on that. But Beehive is created by the guys behind Morning Brew. So the benefit of them picking a dumb name. Now, mind you, I love how the site looks. I love the logo and the branding. But it has nothing to do with It's just not clear. Uh, but because it was created by the founders of Morning Brew, there was a whole... You have leverage there when you already have a built-in audience who's been following you. And you've succeeded in the space where you're creating the tool, Right. They've clearly succeeded. Morning Brew is huge and they know what they're doing with newsletters, but they don't know what they're doing with naming a brand. I'm going to leave it at that. Podia is for online courses and products. I have no idea what it means. I don't know if it's a playoff of Podium, but how does Podia, I guess Podium, a teacher stands at a Podium. I don't know. Podia is not a great name. 
otter.ai. What is the connection between an otter and transcripts? And maybe there's a story there. And I'm going to be really clear. I didn't go into these about pages and find out about the naming. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. And then lastly, missing letter. This is, I'm guessing, and missing letter is a, um, if you're not familiar with it, a social publishing platform. I love it. But the letter, it's missing, the word is spelled correctly, then L-E-T-T-R. I think they may have gotten the domain name for letter spelled correctly. Um, And I'm guessing they're supposed to be the missing piece for your social publishing arsenal. But that's kind of a stretch and the the misspelling is annoying. So those were five that I came up with. (laughs) And you guys, I use all of these products. So that's it. I'm going to leave it. I'm not going to explain anymore or pre-qualify that I feel bad being me. <laughs> you like how I did that? Like kind of second, just whatever. Let's move on. What does all of this have to do with self-doubt? Everything. So my friends had suggested, they said, you need to bring more of you into the name. You know, you guys like F the hustle. Everything is content. Just show up. I've if, if you read and listen, if you read what I write and you listen to the podcast, like you can probably hear my voice in my writing. And, and hopefully that's the goal that you can hear me and we have enough of a relationship and you get the inflections and in how I phrase things. But the original name felt like just a tool and it wasn't fun. There wasn't energy behind it. And so initially there's, there's two pieces to my struggle here. The thing with this brand is that while it will have my name on it, meaning like the about page and I'm the owner, founder, blah, blah, blah. I want it to feel like it needs to feel like a company brand, not a personal brand, not a Kim Doyle brand, so to speak. And so the only way I can grow this the way I want to grow it is that I know that I need to hire the right people and I need to remove myself from being the only voice of the brand. So the brand name had to support multiple people creating because this is going to be big. And I know I'm being so cryptic, but we'll leave that alone. I'm I just, I apologize. Um, I've watched countless others do this over the past few years where they have removed themselves as the only voice of the brand. And it makes a ton of sense. I want to keep kimdoyle.com going and growing. So starting with the team is imperative, which is kind of why I was hesitant to bring more of myself into it. Because let's face it, all of us have our own unique voice and style. And great writers, great copywriters can mimic that. But this needs to start off with my voice, other people's voices, whatever, as long as it all falls under the oops, false. I hit the microphone. <laughs> you guys can't even see it, but um, <laughs> falls under the umbrella of the, the brand of the voice of the brand, excuse me. Um, you know, and two examples that I can think of right now to, to drive this home a little bit, you look at Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income. So the site is Smart Passive Income. His name is all over it, but he's not at the top, like in the hero image anymore of his site. Because when you're a solo creator and Smart Passive Income, it's Smart Passive Income with Pat Flynn. Um, but it was only him. And now he's got other people. He's grown his company and his team. So he's pivoted quite a bit so that other people are creating and delivering um, because you can't grow otherwise. The other person I think about is Russell Brunson with ClickFunnels. And where he is, I mean, people think of Russell with ClickFunnels, 
but he's really starting to pull himself out and they need to bring other people in to, to do the content because, you know, again, you can't scale it when it's just you. Anyway, so that's one reason I was hesitant to bring more of myself into this. Um, the second reason is that I was scared, quite frankly. And it might not seem like it, but I'd really hold myself back in a lot of ways with my business. I don't want to offend anyone, so I play it safe. I share my opinions about things when it's safe or soft, uh, but my time has come. I don't know if it's my age, um, life experience, probably all of it. And it's funny because the other thing, when I was talking to my therapist, I was like, she asked me where this came from. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is me and my whole life. I've watched my mom do this. And yet my daughter's like, no, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> She's so crystal clear, which is just phenomenal. And I'm very happy for her with that. So let me give you a few examples of what I'm referring to where I hold myself back. Cause I know I rant and, um, I get pissy in a fun sort of way. And you guys, I'm never going to be somebody that I don't want to put energy into negativity. So that's not where I'm coming from. It's a lot more about, not a lot more, it's about claiming my beliefs, what I want to do and how I want to do it. So the first thing is targeting. Ever since I started my business, 2008, right? My audience has been split pretty 50-50 in terms of male and females. However, the majority of my customers are females. It just is. Go figure. A lot of people, I guess maybe a lot of men like listening and reading, but don't want to buy a product. I don't know. Maybe it's the copy. I have no idea. It could simply be that what I am doing isn't what they need. Because I also know a lot of people on my Kim Doyle list have followed me from the days of WordPress. So I've pivoted, right? And that's where I'm going to do a whole episode on the new follow-up sequence I'm doing for F the Hustle, my new email experience. And I'll explain to you the intent behind that about really bringing in the right people. And if you're on my list, I love you. I'm not saying you're not right. But um, see, I can't even get through an episode without qualifying everything. Practice is going to make perfect in this. Anyway, the truth is most of my customers are primarily women. I just ran the hit send challenge and out of what, 32, 33 people, I did, I should have pulled it up in front of me. Five were men. So you start really looking at that. And with the direction I'm heading with Kim Doyle, I feel very strongly that my audience is females over 40. And there's a lot more to who they are and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not talking the demographics and they've got 2.5 children, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. That's not what I mean. I, I really go way more into the psychographics and the quality of life they want. So um, like I said, there's a whole lot more there, but for the sake of the podcast, <laughs> I'm watching the time. I'm trying to record this before a call. Um, you know, so what's happened for me is that I've been fearful that if I start using that language and speaking directly to women or claiming that, that I'm going to lose a bunch of subscribers or customers or listeners or whatever. And here's the thing. Hit the mic again. I'm standing up, you guys, so I can't really sit still with my hands. Um, if men aren't buying anyway, does it matter? Will I attract more women when I get more clear and speak directly to them? Probably. At the same time, I think there are a lot of smart men out there who are subscribed to me. Um, I'm playing, but I'm not. Um, who will value the insight of marketing to women. Maybe they've got women in their audience. So it's just that I've been afraid. I really have been like, oh no, 
you know, and it's like, I can think of specific people on my list who respond and engage to my emails, which I'm so appreciative. And the bottom line is, look, if you like my emails, you like how I show up in the world and you just want to stay friends and hear from me, let's do it. I'm fine with that. So it's really important to me though, that I attract that right person, which I, my, my ideal champagne client, that's a Mariah Coster, my champagne client are women over 40 who have an existing business. Okay. I just said I wasn't going to do that. And here I start doing it. You get the point. So there are the few things that are going to start to change as I do this, because yes, it, it, it this is me letting go of the self-doubt and, and taking a stand here. Um, I'll start with the tagline on my site, some of the language, and then we'll get into the next thing is social sharing. As I promote myself more, which is another commitment I have made to myself that this is it. I, I swear to you guys, I think that has probably been my biggest downfall is not promoting myself enough. It's like, I'm happy to create and do the work. And it's like, hi, remember me? You published me a month ago. Please share me. Um, so I do it with automated campaigns, but there's a lot more, there's a whole new strategic method for this. And so it's important because as we all know, the platforms have all changed. This is not just about pushing content out. You want to think about who's on which platform and what type of content you're sharing there. So socially, um, I'm going to start talking directly to women. I'm not exactly sure what that looks like. It might be what I'm sharing is only relevant to women. I don't know, but it's, it's just time. It really is time. Um, my gut says the men who are a part of my audience, like I said, or have been for a long time are going to stick around because there is massive value for them if they choose to stay, especially if they're marketing to women. I sound like a broken record, but that's all right. I need a little water. Hold on. The other piece that I'm going to start claiming and getting clearer on is taking a much stronger stance on the toxicity of hustle culture. Obviously with a newsletter titled F the Hustle, I have now added it. It's the podcast name F the Hustle with Kim Doyle. It's not a surprise that I'm against the hustle and grind mentality. I just, I think it's toxic for most people and it sets them up for failure. I truly understand that there are people like Gary Vee is wired differently. Um, he's also got a massive team. And as someone who just thrived on being as absolutely productive as possible in my thirties and forties, I really was like, well, late forties, I started letting that go, but I wore it like a badge of honor and I got a lot of acknowledgement from it, but it, I don't know how to say it. It just, it blocked, it blocked a lot of things because when you feel that you have to be doing in order to be of value or a success, or you equate it to um, your worthiness, it's going to mess with you. And it just does. Um, as much as I believe in systems and processes, I have them in my business. I'm creating new ones. I also think it can be a massive distraction. Your weekly to-do list should not feel like a part-time job. This idea that we're all supposed to work a certain way, or we're not committed enough. If you're not, if you're not willing to do this, then you're not committed. You know what? Just fuck off at that nonsense. It's horseshit. <laughs> and again, uh, uh, I guess I should have done an explicit warning in the beginning of this. Maybe I will post recording. Anyway, there is far too much data on learning out there to hold any weight to this. Like I look at the public school system in the United States and it is the perfect example of how one learning mode sets people up for failure. You know, it's like saying we should all have the same sleep patterns. 
If we accept that we have different tastes in food, in music, in movies, interests in people, doesn't it make sense that we would also have our own unique work styles, that there's more than one path to success? I am just over, you know, Alex Hermosi, I, I love this. He did this in one of his videos. You want to know what my morning routine is? And he's like, I don't have green juice. I don't get up at 4am. I don't journal. I don't meditate. He's like, I get up, I get a cup of coffee and I get to work. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. I just, there is no one way. So I think it's time. I'm, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission with F the Hustle to create a movement. I want people to start claiming what works for them. I know what works for me. And I'm going to tell you guys with, um, I'm on a steroid during the day because of my back. And it's, I mean, it's amazing that I'm able to work full days at all, but it's like by three o'clock I get like, I, I, I can't even spell anymore. <laughs> but the point being, there is more than one way to do this. And there's so much content that I can create around this. That's going to resonate with my champagne client, um, my ideal customer. And it's time I'm going to call it out. Here's the other thing that makes me a little bit crazy. I get that there's templates and frameworks and structure for how we share stuff. Have you guys ever seen people post stuff and it literally says unpopular opinion or um, what's the other one? I don't controversial opinion. It's like, well, is it if you have to tell us like, come on, be a better writer. <laughs> don't use clickbait. Anyway, moving on. So let's get into the framework for growth. Talk about a rabbit hole. Every time I get into creating some sort of doodle or sketch, like I said, I'm still working on using the iPad and Procreate with the pencil. So this, this was all done with SketchWow when you go to the post. Um, it's like hours. I have no idea how much time has passed. And so after I did this call with Susan, I was like, okay, I'm going to start this podcast. I'm going to, I'm going to show up today. I'm going to start doing this. And I included this in the podcast. And for what it's worth, here's another way I'm showing up, you guys, is I am recording this with video that will then be given to my video editor. Hopefully, not ho he can. See, you guys, I'm going to start calling myself out. Bear with me. He's going to pull then clips that I can share on TikTok and in, in short form video, Instagram, whatever, YouTube. So the point is, I'm also doing this. I, I, I do not like doing makeup every day. I'm doing it. I'm getting ready. I'm doing what feels good. I'm standing up recording this because it feels good. My energy's higher and I, I want to create more video content. So I'm doing both. I, it's going to be tricky because I'm not necessarily looking at the camera the whole time, but either way. Um, so back to getting lost with doodles. Truly, like the next thing I know, hours have gone by, which is what happened with this. And so Again, this framework came about on the call with Susan um, when she asked how I could start showing up. She's like, and when can you do this? I'm like, today. I just had no idea how long I was going to get in this rabbit hole. But she did. She asked me what I was going to do, when I was going to do it, and to let her know how it went. Some of the questions is a follow-up um, after I had done it, which I think I just shared. I, I, had, I had done the <laughs> this podcast post. It wasn't done. And I just sent a little video talking about a few things. And so when I talk to her next, I'll share these points. One, she wanted to know how did it feel? Two, how did it land in terms of putting it out there and what the feedback was? So this podcast episode is going to get published this week. And I will use this language when I share it, when I market it. So I'll, I'll have feedback for her on that. 
did I do it without pre-qualifying? And you know what's funny? I was able to go through the written post and pull out some of the pre-qualifying explaining. You know, it's kind of like, you know, I don't mean this negatively, but it's pre-qualifying. But clearly, (laughs) it's when I'm going off script and just it's innate in the way I speak. And so this is a habit I'm committed to breaking. And lastly, did I hedge it all? Meaning, you know, in writing this and um, in writing this and recording this, the writing it, there was a hedge. The recording, I didn't. I'm I'm just up and I'm doing it. But we see that I did pre-qualify quite a bit. The value and the importance of doing this are, for me specifically, is that, you know, in order for me to serve the women I want to serve, I need to own what I know. And these were Susan's words. Um, This is going to give me the territory to practice that, you know, in order for me to help women the way I want to, and to support other people stepping into what, what aligns with them. And even you guys, even using language like aligns, it's so me, but I'm not super public about it. So you're going to get more of that too. But anyway, um, there's nothing like a reminder to practice what you preach. And I genuinely mean that. This is why it's so important to have people you trust who can guide, support, and be honest with you. So this is, you guys have to see this doodle in the post. I'm going to walk you through. It's like a cartoon. There's four panes. And this is the first place I start when I'm thinking about um, any framework. This is kind of what happens or a new project. And so the process. So the first pane, my little sketch doodle guy. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Girl, hello, woman, whatever. And there's like little captions, new idea. This is it. It's epic. Yay. Right. So that's the first pain holding up a sign. Oh my God, I'm so excited. The next one, it's like, huh, so many exciting things to plan. Where do I start? The third pain. And I always hear this from SpongeBob five minutes later, which I'm not going to explain that. And I'll, but five minutes later, you've got the person and here's all the captions coming out of this person's thought. What will people think? Oh, I need to write a post. Write a post. I need to record a video. Can I pre-sell this? Is this too much? Can I really do a million in a year? Is this going to work? All these doubtful thoughts and all the things to do, like to start swirling around in my brain. And then the last pain is this sort of like worn out <laughs> little person with this to-do list of branding, messaging, pre-sale, marketing. And so it goes from so much enthusiasm to, whoa, I'm tired, (laughs) you know, and it's totally my process and I get it. And this is why I have people that I can talk through things with and I can work through. And once I've gone through this little dance, for lack of a better explanation, I can get to work. But this is also where the self-doubt starts kicking in, right? So here are some of the things that I start thinking about. What if this fails? Should I ask someone else about X, whatever the thing is? And I'm just going to tell you, crowdsourcing too many opinions will get you nowhere fast. Next one. And here's, here's the, um, I don't know if caveat's the right word. I'm trying to pick a vocabulary word and I can't find it to save my life. All of these thoughts are not super conscious. A lot of these, and it's not these exact phrases. So, but pay attention to how you're moving through even doing the work and you'll you'll get these little niggly nudges. So the next one is does this offend? And I don't necessarily hear does this offend, but I find myself editing 
myself, whether it's written, verbal, re-recording something because I don't want to be too, too much. That's it. I don't want to be too much. Am I too full of myself? Coming back to, am I too much? You know, I've gone through a few things in the last, uh, I don't know, month or two, specific to business and marketing where I'm like, damn it, girl, you are good. You got this shit. And it's like, here's, here's an example. I've been listening to a new podcast and I want to say, I think it was Justin Welsh and I'm going to do a little bit of digging into this. It's called knowledge bias where you've been in your space in your industry for so long that the knowledge you, you forget that people don't know what you know, you sort of assume it. So then you don't think to share it necessarily. And so I've been listening to this podcast and this gal, it, she's great. It's such rudimentary stuff that I know like the back of my hand and I'm thinking she's out here doing it. Like she's got all the success, but yet she's still doing it. And I get it that a lot of this depends on who your audience is, but when you know what you know, we can forget that people in our audience don't. Anyways, so that circles back to, am I too full of myself? Um, Maybe I should hire someone to do this. I do that not with stuff that I know is not my skill set. I'm never going to be a developer. Graphics, I can do enough of my own for fun, but I still am going to hire someone for scalability. Um, But like copywriting, I can do it. And I'm actually pretty good for my own stuff. Then I question it. I doubt myself because of my own belief, you know, pre 2016 that, oh, I don't, I don't get this. I can't do this. Right. Maybe I should hire someone to do this. I think I just said that. Uh, Am I charging too much? Oh my God. We all do it. And isn't it funny that we can look at someone else, excuse me, and we can look at our friends and the people that we care about who've created something and say, you need to raise your prices. You need to charge more. But yet for us, it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I don't think so though. I've coached enough people. Um, or how about, oh, you know, maybe I should do this first. I shouldn't launch this or I shouldn't sell this until I, maybe I didn't even do something cheaper first. It's just talk about noise. Even though my logical brain knows one thing, there's this niggly little voice inside of me that just pokes at me. Um, this reminds me of off script. Um, a Simpsons episode from so long ago. What has Simpsons been out? Like 25 years now? Um, Bart went and got a tattoo. And then his parents made him get it removed. So he had a Band-Aid. And Lisa's standing there. And she's poking and he's, ouch, quit it. Ouch, quit it. And she just keeps gently poking him. And he ouch, quit it. That's what this voice is. Ouch, quit it. Right? Anyways, the truth is, it did. Because I have no doubt the voice is going to continue to be there, but it's going to get a pretty big F off from me until it starts getting quieter and it learns to zip it. The other thing that creeps in when uh, with self-doubt when I'm doubting myself is other people's voices. I really didn't realize how, um, how influenced or impacted I was by other people's... It, it's just... I was joking around that I need to wear Magneto's helmet. Magneto from X-Men, he's got this metal helmet because Professor X um, can read minds. And so the helmet prevents him from getting into his brain. Um, Because I listen to other people's opinions about marketing. And 
the funny thing is there are people who have not done what I want to do. So why do we care? Right? I was jokingly um, (laughs) saying this whole thing about Magneto. And then when it hit me, I was like, wait a minute, the only people I need to pay attention to are the ones who are already where I want to be and have achieved more than me. And then of course, there's a small group of people I trust that I'll run things by. But ultimately, I have to trust myself. So here's the five-step framework I created to anchor in my own beliefs and shut the door on self-doubt. So this is an exercise. You guys go to the post. So there's another sketch doodle in this. Um, And then I've got a bullet list here for you. And I want you just to think about this. And this is something I'm going to put all my coaching clients through moving forward. And what I'll tell you, this is kind of the behind the scenes stuff that I, that I tell people. And it's like, you don't do this till you have to. And I'm going to get into that in a minute. All right. Number one, define your values. You know, what are my values for my, my life and business? What are my values for my brand? How do I want people to feel about my products and services? And so you'll notice none of these are like, this isn't a framework for writing, selling, any of this stuff. This is, what's the word I'm looking for? Interpersonal, like EQ, right? That emotional quotient. These are all these things that when you get clear on this. So I know that with every ounce of my being, that I'm doing things from the right intention. My heart's in the right place. Doesn't mean I'm not going to make mistakes, but I, my intention drives everything. So that's a value for me. And I've talked about my core content values. I always want people to feel better for having engaged with my content. And then the three elements to that, they're going to learn something, they're going to be entertained, or I'm going to speak to their heart. Number two in the five-step framework is your who. And this is not the demographic stuff. I want you to think about these, your who as the people with emotions also. So who are you serving, right? Be specific. Why do they need what you offer? Go, go deep into this. What's their outcome? What do they get from using your products and services? And then we're going to do, this is, we're going to get a little deeper. Number three is dig deep. Ask yourself, what is stopping you? What is, so for me, I'm sharing with you that I've stopped myself from specifically talking to targeting women because I was afraid I was going to offend men who had been subscribers or following me for a long time. I would lose business, yada, yada, yada. How can I reframe that? So flipping that, and I'm still in the process of this is, God, how many more women can I serve when I'm very clear and they know that I'm talking directly to them? You know, then the next point, number three, under dig deep, how will you show up now? So when you start saying, okay, this has stopped me, I'm sitting here doing this public podcast, right? This is just the beginning. But saying what stopped me is afraid of offending people. How will I show up? I'm going to start talking directly to women. So clear, right? And then make a list of how you will show up in different ways. Um, Number four, taking action. So what are three things you can consistently do that will shift this? And again, I want you to think more the emotional element that supports the action. Um, let me try and give you an example. So, okay. You guys know I'm going, I'm getting into TikTok and having a ball with it. And I'm, I'm right now, I kind of paused because I'm doing the keyword research and I want to make sure because TikTok's algorithm is a whole different beast. It's, you know, what you watch is, it's not based on, um, the social algorithm of likes and whatnot. 
it's a whole other beast. Anyway, so I kind of hit pause, do the keyword research. So for me, okay, I'm talking to women. So now I need to say, and I'm not going to get up there and go, hey, female coaches, because that's such a waste of time on a video. Um, but I can share a coaching story. I can share something of working with a woman. I can share, you know, three things that I see women doing all the time in terms of pricing or something like that. You get the point. Um, so taking action, what are three things you can do consistently that'll shift this? When will you do them? And then what were the results? And the results are not the tangible. I got 10 likes. I got two DMS. I got five subscribers. That's not what I'm talking about. What are your results? How are you feeling? You know, just, is this anchoring in those beliefs and where you want to move? And side note, I may be editing some of these steps to the framework just in terms of, I really want this to be much more about the mindset and that internal piece, but how it relates to your business. Lastly, the fifth step is defining your next steps. So get clear. How are you feeling about yourself for taking action? Pat yourself on the back. I did this. I did this. I showed up and did X for whatever. And I've connected with five more people, whatever that is. Um, this is a, I'm going to do a book of Susanisms. I'm just kidding. Um, in what way did you have your own back? You know, we often get caught up with, oh, I've got your back. I've got your back. We always say that to, <laughs> I should link to this. Have you guys ever seen Snoop Dogg did an acceptance speech when he got Grammy probably? And he said, I'd like to thank myself. I'd like to thank myself for doing the work, for writing the music. <laughs> and it was, it's awesome. We don't do that enough. So in what way did you have your own back? And then lastly, what's next? And this all comes from how can you take what you've done with this framework and take it to the next level? It's such a trite saying, but you know, it, it works. So this is the mindset stuff. This is the mindset work we often skip when it comes to business. And again, I, I said this a little bit earlier, but we skip it until we don't. Because all of a sudden we realize we're not where we want to be and we know something has to change. It, it never, in my experience, it never comes down to learning another strategy or tactic. It's getting your mindset right. This is the foundation for everything. And as someone who devours anything I can get my hands on when it comes to self-help or mindset, spirituality, personal development, I will say, that was a little bit redundant, huh? Self-help, personal development. Um, most of it at this stage in the game for me is mindset, spirituality, and marketing probably. Um, but it's really time to claim those beliefs and share them with my audience in a way that I think will serve them, i.e. you, right? Mindset is everything. And I heard that for so long, but it's like, you don't quite know where to start with that. So hopefully you can start with something like this. And you guys, I've got a bunch of frameworks and exercises that are part of the F the Hustle group coaching that was going to come this fall, but it's going to have to be after the first of the year because of my other project. Um, but we've got success stages. I got the what if exercise I got. Did I just say I got? <sighs> it's a good thing we're almost done. <laughs> you guys, it's funny. With whatever's going on with these meds, I am spelling things like I forgot how to read it and write. It's, it's nuts. But it's more comical for what it's worth. Um, the first thing I think I'm going to do is a live workshop with me. That's unlike anything else I've ever done. Just a one-hour live workshop. It will be a paid class. Um, but it's going to be all about mindset and beliefs and how you can reframe those thoughts so that you can have the business and lifestyle love that you love, right? This has to work. This has to work. Do you see what I mean? I have to stop talking. You need to create something that works for you. 
who you are, how you want to move through the world, and what you want your life and your days to look like. That's what this is about. So it's tying that mindset piece together with a system, a process, a way to move through the world. And your system and process may be, I'm going to use a dry erase board and put my appointments on there. That's my process. That's it. Oh, and maybe I'll use Google Calendar. I don't care. Maybe you're a Notion ninja. Maybe you like ClickUp. It doesn't make a difference to me. But you have to find that thing that works for you. But it should be dictated and determined by what's going on inside your heart and, and what lights you on fire and how you move through the world. So this is all about who you are, not who you think you need to be to succeed. On that note, my friends, I'm going to sign off. I do have a call. I love you tons. As always, thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, I'm going to keep sharing along the journey. Within the next month, like I said, you're going to hear about this project that I am determined to, to, here we go, public accountability hit a million dollars in 12 months. And I really think it's doable based on this. I can't say anything else. Just trust me. How about you trust me? Just kidding. All right, guys. <laughs> Have an awesome day and I'll catch you next time. Have you signed up for F the Hustle yet? If not, now's the time. F the Hustle is a newsletter for vision-led entrepreneurs ready to ditch the hustle, grow a profitable business, and enjoy the journey. Just go to kimdoyle.com forward slash F the Hustle to sign up today.